mean everything about human, everything about what it is for us to be on this plane, everything about our development, everything about our movement has brought us to this time and this place. In order to be able to fulfill uniqueness. This is what uniqueness is all about. Be your own authority. Live your design. Find your own trajectory. It's about where you are. Leave your mind behind. That's what I say. Because where you are, you are there all alone. Knowing our place is transcendence itself. And it's the holiest thing that you can experience in this life. Thank you so much, Mutenguna, for providing this nice little audio clip for us that you just heard. And you also heard two other clips in the previous two episodes. And we're going to have the HDC anthem, Live Your Mythology, also created by Mutenguna, after our interview today in the end of the episode. So thank you so much, Mutenguna. And please, everybody, check out the link in the description. Check out Mutenguna's little corner on the internet to see his offers. And maybe you feel like buying him a coffee as a little thank you for his work. And now we come to our guest today. I had a really deep talk with Meredith and we explored her inner authority, which is emotional authority. And she shares her human design journey with us and the many changes that happened in her life after starting to live her design and learning about human design. We go really, really deep. It's really interesting. I enjoyed it so much. Thank you again, Meredith. And so we dive in right away. Uh, just also make sure to check out our Telegram group. So all these people, you know, this is a collective podcast. There are so many people participating and creating this together. All my interview guests basically are from the Human Design Commons, uh, which is our little home on the Internet, is this Telegram group. So if you open the app and you search for the Human Design Commons, you will find it. It's a public channel. And you can join us. It's a lovely, warm community. And we talk all about human design and keep learning together and sharing our experiment and experiences in human design with each other. So yeah, join us if you're not already part of it. And now we dive into the interview with Meredith. Okay, hello Meredith. So thank you for coming. 
Hello, Tamara. Thank you for having me today. It's so nice to be here. Yeah, great. So would you like to introduce your design to our listeners? Yes, I would love to. Um, my design is a 3-5 a um, emotional projector. Um, I have a right angle cross of planning four. Um, and, you know, in short, that basically means that my cross is here to um, understand the, the needs of the, of the tribe, um, not necessarily to figure out where those resources are going to come from, but to be able to identify and prioritize those things. Um, and some of the other interesting aspects of my, my design are, or that at least are of the most emphasis to me is of course the binary nature of it. So, you know, I have the personality um, aspect and the um, design aspect, and I have four channels activated in my design and two of those channels are on the design side and two of those channels are on the personality side um, fully. So um, it's, it's interesting experiencing the way in which these uh, differentiation um, mechanics are experienced in my, um, in my life. And how much um, on the unconscious side is where my actual authority um, definition is. And on the conscious side is where my, um, like my there's like a splenic sort of um, theme going on. So mm -hmm. there's definitely um, an awareness more and more that I see where in the now my spleen wants to reject everything like immediately um whereas my um emotional authority is more about kind of allowing things time to to process and to um to be okay with not having any clarity right now and to mm -hmm. just experience um definitely um and that plays too into my three five profile where i'm coming to see that i'm someone who enjoys experimenting and seeing new things and watching what happens and letting go of my <clears throat> um my mind trying to uh control the outcome um you know like if for example even before coming on this call today and meeting with you my mind wants to you know figure out the whole the whole way thing everything's going to be said and and go down and um yeah so it's interesting seeing the way in which allowing my mind to have its its things it wants to do and not um, giving it the authority to make any kind of calls on anything. Um, and then, you know, uh, coming to the awareness after discovery of my full entire, you know, it was almost like an expansion pack for me to astrology because 
astrology, you know, is where, you know, I, I started my, my dive into planetary activations, planetary um, aspects and frequencies and how these um, objects in space um, impact my frequency here in on planet earth in a physical relationship in this system that we're inside of mm -hmm. and astrology was like you know just a, a small portion of the of the template that we all um operate within and um being able to bring in not only my personality and my mind um, into my decision-making process is there's just no words um, for being able to come back to myself in this way and not need to reach outside of myself or anything mm -hmm. um, yeah great and and how how did you so you were first into astrology And then later you met human design, right? That is correct. Or you yeah. are, you found mm -hmm. a way actually to kind of still somehow yeah. integrate or make use of both for your yeah. life so and work. Mm -hmm. In 2010, I began a self-led dive into the mechanics of astrology after a close friend of mine had told me um, about um And it was actually alongside numerology and the law of attraction and the life you were born to live. And, um, you know, I started kind of looking into astrologers, less mainstream astrologers. Um, I don't know if anyone is familiar with them, but Howard Sesportis and Richard Eidemann and Liz Green, um, very like psychological astrology um, was something I was very interested in. Um, and it kind of allowed me to explore the archetypal um, energies behind the planets and, you know, what their mechanics are in terms of the astrological perspective. Um, and at the same time, you know, when my, um, my friend who introduced me to the numerology law of attraction, she is a four, six sacral generator um, on the cross of the Sphinx. Um, she happens to be the exact same person who introduced me to human design nine years later. And so um, she uh, basically, um, I took that opportunity to come to understand more about the, um, the more pinpointed version of where these planets are. It's like with astrology, you're, you're partitioning the sky into 12 spaces. And with um, human design, you've got the 64 gates. So it kind of allowed for a different type of interpretation of that space in time. Mm. And so essentially I liked being able to um, correlate space-time with uh, my actual imprint mm -hmm. and understanding now even more the difference and the importance between that differentiated blueprint and my physical and mental um, illusion 
uh, interpretation of that body imprint in the Maya. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And then you met human design and you had your foundational reading. And yeah, from then on, what yes. happened in your life? <laughs> so I met human design um, and that was in 2019. And it wasn't until 2021 that I actually had my, my foundational reading. I went through like kind of a long period of... Um, I, I want to call it was re a very deep depression wave essentially um, because of where I was with my job. Um, I was overloaded with, with my work. Um, I was, you know, that, that, uh, that image that they show of the projector who um, is just completely burnt out because they're taking on the work of, you know, four generators at once. Yeah. Um, so that was something that I was uh, faced with not long after I discovered my aura type and my strategy, my authority. And so I spent about a year kind of on this, like, I want to call it like a pull out of the, um, a pull out of the, the depression or the shadow. Um, I ended up getting myself into um, exchange with um, a lot of different seven centered um, modalities like um, Reiki healing, where, you know, I'm reaching outside of myself to find energy, um, that kind of thing. And it was actually really, at the time, it was good for me to go through that conditioning because it was a process for me um, in understanding energy and how I viewed energy. And it gave me this space to ask a lot of questions. And I think that because my design is largely collective and tribal, um, you know, I'm very interested in what is actually going on in the Maya, whether or not I'm actually involved in it, I kind of want to be aware of what is happening. Um, and to that, to that, I can absorb it and pick it up. And in a lot of ways, in my abstraction, in my um, channel of abstraction, I'm seeing things before they happen. And of course, not all of them occur. Uh, and what I find is that my mind wants to get caught up on what it sees and create all of these outcomes, even though it has no control over what that outcome is going to be. And so through this process, I ended up... Um, having a, a bit of a tipping point where I demanded time off from work and I um, told my um, my management team that I was overloaded and I couldn't do this anymore and that if they didn't give me this time off I was going to quit and um, during that time off I took a lot of time to myself and started in this sort of self-led process of shifting being awake in the early morning hours versus the night hours. And it was during that time where I felt that I was starting to get into more of alignment with my body rhythms. And by my body rhythms, I mean unconscious body rhythms. I'm not necessarily referring to my physical body. Um, and then not long after I returned back to my job, I was offered a new role 
in a completely new position, transitioning out of a response-based job and into a resourced and systems and standard-based uh, role, which is more in alignment with where my energy is. And so um, I'm starting to see these shifts happening. And in um, April of 2021, um, I hadn't yet purchased the transit tool for my body graph. And, you know, I'm, as, as you know, I'm into astrology. And so I'm, I'm, I'm watching the transits every day and I want to know where they are. And so I went into the Jovian archive and I purchased uh, the quarter one transit forecast so that I could kind of get an overview of the specific gates that these planets were going to be in. Now that I'm aware that there's this, you know, different template or framework for where everything is. And that moved me into more um, source material in Jovian where I watched the witness generation um, because I began repeatedly crashing into data and content on the web um, that was the same thing. And I knew I was being called by some source and I, and I, and I was hearing the same things over and over and I was like, this isn't, what I need. Um, and so I started kind of going into human design groups and communities and explored in public Facebook groups related to human design. And over time, I ended up finding like maybe one or two people that like resonated with me that I still, you know, connect with and follow content with. Um, and then the same for my um, self-led, you know, I'm I observe in my, um, in my variables. And so, um, you know, I was looking for others in their experiments and, um, you know, May of 2021 is when I began to see others in their experiment and it was flowing into my awareness. And this space is where I came to know Talus and through Talus, I came to know Thomas and many others in the human design commons um, and their source-based experiment. And so not long after that, I ended up stumbling into the four transformations and I started just kind of getting to know more about the variables, determination, environment, perspective, and motivation and what that meant to me. And as I was doing all of this, I was also kind of exploring into the yin side of it where you know the gene keys kind of goes into more a story-based version of each of these gates and in that study I learned that I actually have what the gene keys calls as the codon ring of alchemy and I have all of these gates active in my design and so I started doing this research on codon ring of alchemy and that is where I found Katrini Matisse and Katrini Matisse is a Russian 3-5 splenic projector on the cross of Maya, just happened to be just like my partner at the time. Um, <clears throat> and she was in conversation with an emotional generator with a channel of community, the same as mine, um, a um, astrologer by the name of Allison, who I ended up becoming you know, very close with along this journey. And so this fusion of their conversation of astrology and gene keys and human design, it was like they were kind of speaking the same language as me. And so I basically, um, I knew right away that I wanted to have this reading with Katrini 
Um, but I waited. And so this was in June. And so I kind of like held and I sat with it and sat with it for a while. Um, and meanwhile, I'm still going through this body led release of depression from what I'm experiencing at my, you know, my job. And, um, I'm starting to get more and more support coming into my job. Um, and I end up releasing so many things from my life that I don't need anymore. Like, alcohol. Um, I didn't any longer need my depression medication. It was as if all of these things are coming into my space that are correct for me because I'm listening and honoring my authority that I really didn't fully yet grasp because I hadn't even had my reading yet. And so as we, um, as I started getting all of this stuff coming in, um, I ended up finally reaching out to Katrini in October of 2021 um, to have my foundational reading. Um, and it was funny because I felt worried. I thought that she was going to come back to me and tell me she didn't get a correct yes to work with me. Um, but to my surprise, she contacted me within a day and we scheduled the reading within a couple days. And, you know, it's almost been a year and this is, um, I'm still listening and processing this reading. Um, and because this is where my mind actually fully became aware that it had an inner authority. Um, you know, it's like all of this time, the mind is like trying to avoid it because it does not want to know. It does not want to see that it does not want to accept that it has no authority it's baseless and it all it's here to do is to be the outer authority and and to wait until the inner authority you know gives it that space and so that was last October <clears throat> and that has kind of you know led me into I want to say like a much more quickly unraveled process whereas in 2020 it was kind of slower from 2021 until now, um, yeah, after my reading, um, you know, that led into um, uh, more of what was happening with the human design commons. Um, and when I entered into the human design commons, um, that was around the same time that Talis had done a really wonderful human design and relationships um, uh, chat with uh, uh, another human design content and um, uh, guide uh, HD by Z and they were talking about relationships at the time in January and so I think that at that time my unconscious wasn't really aware that I was in this relationships um, space because the next kind of phase of my experiment is going to be pushing me there over the next six months, essentially. Okay. Yeah. I'm really curious to know what happened next. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So you, you discovered, I mean, you were studying already the human design and then you had a reading which made you kind of deeper, more deeper aware of your inner emotional authority. Correct. Yeah, so mm -hmm. it, there was a unlocking process, so to say, of this inner authority. Yes, exactly. And what was really interesting too was that 
I'm having this reading with Katrini and then Allison, who's, you know, dovetailing this conversation with her through astrology, um, you know, in uh, December has what's called a, um, a Venus retrograde mudra um, class that she was doing. And I thought, oh, that's interesting because each of um, the mudras we were going to be practicing were surrounding all of the gates of Capricorn. And I thought, okay, that would be a really interesting way for me to slowly integrate these Capricorn gates. And also during the time of Venus going retrograde and preparing to go into her inferior conjunction with the sun, which is a cycle that I've been following um, since 2017, which is, I think, um, very correlated with my inner authority in some kind of way. And so basically this process of this Venus uh, mudra sequence led into the Venus um, inferior conjunction. And, and whenever Venus has an inferior conjunction, essentially, depending on, you know, the overall uh, sign or gate that the inferior conjunction takes place in, what it essentially does is it creates this overarching theme or meta theme for 18 months while Venus goes through this cycle with the sun until Venus comes back again at a conjunction and then starts the 18 month cycle over again. And so these Venus cycles are, are very, um, they, they're very, I, I don't know if it's an unconscious connection with me. Um, I kind of like to think that maybe they're related to um, Ra's uh, camel and the dog um, and where you have, you know, the cycles of Mercury with the sun and I think I like to think of Venus and her cycle with the sun and what that imprinting is doing. Um, and the beautiful part about it is the, the uh, five-pointed uh, star uh, flower of life shape that this orbital path takes. And so during this process of Venus um, in this meta goddess of Capricorn each month, um, a ceremony is being held as the moon and Venus come together in the transits, which is what's called a Kamari kiss. And so as the moon and the Venus come, come together, it's, um, it's a practice to celebrate um, this story between Venus or Inanna, the, the mythical story between Inanna and, Ar and her sister Arishkagal and their descent into hell. Uh, where Venus goes into hell to rescue her sister Arishkagal, who's kind of there with her own dramedy right now. So, um, but as this was all beginning in December, I had a really interesting kind of abstract dream about going underwater in this air bubble. And at this time, I wasn't really aware because, you know, I'm in my relationship that I've been in for the past 11 years, my partnership, and I'm not really aware at this time that there may be something that's going to happen to it. But through this whole process, each month, we're focusing on our gene key sequence as well. So I'm focusing on my own gates in this particular sequence, and it's just six specific planets. And so through this process, as all of this is happening, I'm also going through, um, you know, my experiment. 
it's almost as if this process is something that I've created so that my mind can have something to be focused on so that I can actually open up all my receptivity to this source that I've suddenly been given access to because what ended up happening was as soon as I entered into the human design commons, um, I need, I, I needed source and, uh, through Talis, um, he had recommended in one of his YouTube videos, um, Sam Zagar. And so I ended up following Sam Zagar and really wanted to hear Sam's, uh, transmissions on the terminology of the source. Um, so I had access to that in addition to the raw material that I did have access to. And the very day that I subscribed to Sam Zagar's marketplace is the day that I get access to raw source material and also access um, from Ian in the human design commons to the human design discord group which also is a really great resource and communication space for individuals in their design. And then through all of this, I'm able to start really getting into some of the more um, advanced mechanics and going in more deeper and re-listening re to a lot of Ra's lectures. So um, yeah, all of this has, um, has really just like sort of come into my space and into my awareness as um, I'm listening more and more um, mm -hmm. to waiting and mm -hmm. going, you know, deeper into that, just the emotional experience and mm -hmm. coming like aware that there is no intelligence connected to awareness. Like awareness does not equal intelligence. Awareness is just being aware. It doesn't mean that you know or that you understand. And um, it's almost like a funny joke to have three centers defined in my chart, all of the awareness centers, but yet not having any real, real true awareness in the moment. Um, and kind of not holding, being okay with not holding myself to any one moment because you know, having so much collective logic, um, you know, uh, circuitry mm -hmm. um, gates, uh, it, it can make me very um, uh, perfectionist. And so mm -hmm. I can hold myself to those same, you know, rigid standards um, that I want to see in the world or that we need in the world. Um, and at the same time, you know, there's there's also the side of me that wants to be there to hold space and to love and be gentle. And so as I was going through all of this and I start, I start actually first experiencing it in my body. And that's when I start to realize that something isn't actually correct in my space because the body's starting to break down. I'm having sciatic pains. I can't walk. Um, my foot is like my ankles starting to bother me and, you know, I'm always having stomach issues and things like this until, um, you know, it started to become clearer and clearer that, um, things weren't right in my relationship in terms of my partner who needed a lot of support and, um, none of it was being spoken about. It was just kind of flowing along. Mm. And so, um, 
in um, June this year, I actually had reached out to Ian so that I could schedule some time to speak with him about the awareness mechanics, because I was like, what's going on in my awareness? You know, why is this happening? And, you know, why am I thinking this and this? And, and the, the meeting with him was, was really great because it helped me um, kind of, again, come to terms. It, it's always, it comes back to mind, you know, just trying to have control over something that it doesn't. Um, mm -hmm. and so eventually, um, you know, just actually last month and I'm still, it's still kind of a fresh bond break is this separation from my partnership where I had to kind of go into my unconscious fifth line and kind of come down, um, with the, what's correct and hold my partner accountable to our agreement where, you know, we had agreed originally that we'd take care of ourselves and, so now, you know, it's, it's, it's happened and I'm moving past it and the correctness is starting to, to reshift. And, um, I'm still, you know, obviously going to be dealing with the mind and it's not ever something that, that I, we can set ourselves up with to, to get rid of or to not have. Um, so more and more I'm seeing what can, what, in what ways conditioning is um is part of my my deconditioning process in my experiment um as a projector like toby said you know when you spoke with him mm -hmm. um we have to fully we have to be fully conditioned by someone in order to guide them like we literally have to take on every single bit of them in our openness and then we have to transmute that into some kind of wisdom and um yeah. it's difficult and um having the spaces available now that my authority has led me to to be able to uh wake up every day when my when my pea crystal uh switches on because it's it's so interesting now you know having how you view things in the in the relationship to the program the more of the source material that you uh come to be aware of yeah mm. and and also in the the definition and the differentiation in the more that you're, we're deconditioning and and given space to operate in our unique differentiation um the more that we are um able to provide those um outer wisdoms to everybody that happened to come to us yeah amazing yeah i mean this emotional authority is really something huh i mean it's hard to understand it's or i mean this is of course very subjective no? but i know that you know many people many of our listeners i think half of our listeners probably have emotional authority right it's something really common Mm -hmm. or a big a big part and yeah I see I, I don't have emotional authority I have sacral authority so for me it's a thing of observing but I also live with two people who are emotionally defined so I see it up close and also <laughs> yeah it's, get it's conditioned so by it <laughs> yeah yeah and I, I imagine like for you being around that not being emotionally defined 
that's going to really dictate the way that your, um, your day is going. And yeah, that's one thing that is, that is, that I think is important to see in that, in the hierarchy of the, of the, of the centers and the authorities, the emotional authority is going to be the one that has the authority over everything. Yeah. And so even though I have that emotional authority, um, I have come to know that I don't need to be feeling responsible for it. Um, in that if I walk into the room, I kind of feel like I need to have a sign that says engage at your own risk (laughs) (laughs) because I'm pretty good about letting people know when I need them to hold space for me, because I know that my authority might get out of control and might get cranked up because it can easily get cranked up. (laughs) Mm. Um, But when I'm, um, when I'm engaged with from someone where it's not really planned and you don't really know how the conversation's going to go. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't really control the way in which your responses are triggered by that conversation. And so it's important for the people around you to be aware that when interacting with you, um, that the emotional wave is going to have the say over the response in terms of how intense it feels. Um, and that's not something that the person can control. And so that's why it's important that when you go into those spaces with those people that you're aware of that to allow that space. Otherwise, if you're going into the space and you're expecting them to do X, Y, Z, um, it's always going to result in a crash. <laughs> it's always yeah. gonna result yeah. in yeah. you know feeling cracked and, and shattered and yeah um and and the time that it takes too it's it's and it's different too than like the time that like a reflector would take in their process Mm -hmm. um, because the reflector process is very specific in relationship to you know a timeline to a transit um the emotional wave timeline is is a chemistry with the individual and with my own i find um, because it's tribal and it ratchets that I can kind of go along for a while before I really, really get upset. Um, However, the more that I'm allowing my authority, the more that I see it's normal for me to be uh, very intensely emotional often throughout the day and to allow it um, so that when the big like final drop does come, it's just, it's not quite as as difficult, not quite as hard. Um, And understanding that nobody wants to be in it when it's bad and everybody wants to be in it when it's good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, uh, you know, this, the same emotional wave that you don't want when you're telling an emotional person to not be emotional is the same wave that you want when they are being emotional Yeah, <laughs> or when they're, when they're in a good space that you, yeah. that you want to be in. Yeah. And so, yeah. Um, I love it that we could include a bit the perspective of, you know, the non-emotional other that, of course, you know, if half of the uh, population are emotional, the other half are living with emotional beings. So I think it's, it's, it's really important also to, yeah, to talk about this other side 
of mm -hmm. you know the others in the room yeah because uh yeah i noticed also two things you know or uh you know emotional people in the room of course my kind of not self of the emotional center can get triggered yeah it's this thing of avoiding confrontation and truth and this can you know then happen of course you don't want to trigger anybody into the downward spiraling of their wave yeah this is the thing yeah right. that unemotionally uh, undefined emotionally undefined people are scared of uh, yeah. this is one part where they're avoiding the confrontation and truth is actually yeah this downward spiraling of the wave and the other thing is it can kind of cloud my own inner authority in a way that it's harder to be connected to my own sacral sounds and my own inner authority. So mm -hmm. it, it would be important for me, you know, to go out of the aura. I mean, be in my own aura, uh, mm -hmm. if possible, to really feel what's going on for me. I mean, it is happening. I'm having the sacral yes and no, but maybe I don't get aware of it or, you know, others can see it. Maybe I can't see it. And this this tends yeah. to happen yeah if i'm yeah, yeah. close to somebody yeah. somewhere on their wave you know and i'm you know trying to figure out what what is actually what i'm feeling you know <laughs> because of course i want to also uh or kind of calm down or whatever the the other who might be on a down downward wave or whatever so yeah this is all plays into this yeah. relationship yeah, yeah and I think I, well, everything that you said has brought up a couple things for me where you said, you know, you don't want to trigger them. And that's also, um, you know, um, that's kind of a not self mind trap too, because yeah. it's not that you don't want to, you don't want to impact either direction. It's more about when you do go into that space that you're open and aware that it may happen and that you're available to be able to, um, uh, navigate it at that time. And if you know that you're not sure if you're going to be able to navigate something with someone who's emotional, it's probably best that you don't. Because what ends up happening, I notice, especially with my wave and being tribal, is that it's very sticky and it can be difficult to get out of it once you've started. And so um, it's a lot about expectation before the interaction too, in terms of whether or not you're going into that with them in the expectation of just externalizing um, as an emotional person, your emotion, mm -hmm. or if you're going in there to actually create space for guidance. And in my case, I'm very clear about asking for when I'm ready for, um, someone to guide me um, otherwise if you've come into my space and then we're communicating there could be some things that you know I may say or that I'm going to respond that are just part of you know my my inner authority and then um, there may be times where you know I'm just like hey I want to make time with you so that I can talk about this thing that I've been you know orbiting on and and I can't stop and I want to you know, get some more data in to my, into my, um, my mind space so that I can come up with a solution <laughs> into my inner authority. So. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. This is really, yeah. Valuable um, info and things to, to consider and pay attention. Yeah. Meredith, thank you so much. It was amazing. I think we went really deep. 
<laughs> I just listened to you, you know, because it was just wonderful. And I'm sure our listeners enjoyed it too. I'm looking forward to listening to it again. And uh, yeah, just tell us also how can people get in touch with you? I know you offer guidings and yeah, just tell us about your website, your plans, your projects. Sure, yes. Um, so right now I... I'm pretty much tied to my full-time job in the Maya and the illusion. Um, and I'm working on um, how I would like to build out my guide space. Um, mostly it's about um, my own experiment as well as access to source um, as, as people are coming to me for it. Um, and Right now, my website is mermaid-trove, M-E-R-M-A-D-E-trove.com. Um, and I'm not really promoting it, but it's more of a container space for me to be able to keep track of the uh, daily transits, to also keep track of uh, crystals that I work with energetically that are available for exchange for people who are, you know, called because they just come to me for them for some reason. <laughs> and um, also uh, guidings, like you said, um, right now I'm not really doing guidings because I don't really have anybody coming to me for them. Um, most people right now have been just asking questions here and there about things and um, I think the guide space that I'm creating is intended to support um, in the experiment of differentiation in that it is a um, experiment that you have to go into yourself. It's not something that anyone can tell you. And I think it's, it's a lot harder to find um, or to experience people who are ready to hear the, that kind of truth and go into that space. So as that happens and as space opens up for that, I'm building that there at mermaidjove.com. Mm, great. Yeah, we put the link in the description of this episode. And yeah, thank you again so, so much for your time, Meredith, and for sharing your journey with human design. So many insights in there. Thank you so much. I'm so yeah. grateful for this, for this opportunity and holding space with you. Thank great. You. Thank you. Wonderful. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. We're here to be aware. Aware. It's not about this consciousness. This consciousness is never going to free us. Our mind is no inner authority. It's never going to be able to show us the way. It can't. It can't. It doesn't run our lives. The vehicle, the body, is everything. It is the only thing that is holy. There's only one key. It's living your type. The rest of it comes out. Then you can look at that and you can see it. It's a living thing. You are living mythology and recognize there's very, 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 very few of you doing your specialized kind of job. Live your mythology.
But one should not at any moment forget what this is about, is that you cannot conquer the demons with your mind, that you can never straighten out your life from your mind. This is not where it happens. This is not where your purpose is. It's not where your truth is. It's not your mind and your intelligence that is going to do it for you. It's your body and its intelligence that is going to do it. You can't get to your purpose. You can't live out your mythology unless you honor this vehicle. You can pray all you like. You can take every drug known to man. You can fuck yourself crazy. You can go to gurus and masters and this and that. It doesn't mean anything. It's this vehicle. It's nothing else. Live your mythology. Tell me the story by living your life.